0: as we continue to see the evolution and the change of the nature of the work of the public service to support the elected government of the day content is a big deal and it's going to continue to be a big deal Uh, and so i expect that that will be a key thing welcome to the GovComs podcast bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication
1: Welcome to the GovComs podcast. My name's Andrew Bell. David Pembroke, the regular host of this enterprise, is also here, but in the guest seat. The teaser at the top of the show gave you a little bit of a clue about that. Hello, David, man of content group and podcaster par excellence. <laughs> How are you, Andrew? I'm not bad at all. And by way of information, David and I have known each other for a long time, last century actually, so we might get a little bit familiar and or feisty as we look ahead to the next 12 months or so. And David, it's the or so where I want to start as we consider what's coming up next. Has the time come, or is it with us already, to to have to step back whether we like it or not, to use a phrase, and for government communicators to start rebuilding the model that has evolved partly by dint or, in fact, overwhelmingly perhaps by dint of COVID? And might that take a bit longer than
0: arbitrary 12 or 13 months? Andrew, I, I think we're on at that continuous evolution, continuous improvement, incremental change. Um, that'll be the way that um, these models evolve. Um, and it'll, it'll be driven in the public sector by the demands of ministerial officers. You know we live in a democracy. The government is elected as the 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 uh, rightfully uh, and democratically elected government, and so they therefore they have uh, the right uh, and the privilege uh, to receive services from uh, the public service so as that they can explain policy, program, services, regulations, and therefore, uh, the public service is going to need to evolve to meet those needs. And what those needs will be is more content, uh, more visual content, more content distributed both online and offline, um, and faster. That's Where going does that leave
1: traditional media, though? And particularly, might traditional media look on and go, hold
0: on a minute, this is a competitor? Uh, well, I don't necessarily think it's a competitor. because, And I don't think it's It's not to do anything to undermine the role of uh, the media because the, the media has a particular uh, function, which is to hold the elected government of the day to account and to ask the questions and to, you know, challenge. And um, it's communications to account too. Yeah, exactly. No, no problem at all. Uh, but where I think the opportunity for government is, is to take um, the power of digital technology and this democratisation of the factors of media production and distribution, because we can now be uh, a media company on behalf of policy, program, service and regulation. And so the ambition for communication inside government and the public sector should be to better explain and better listened to people such that there is a greater understanding because ultimately if there is a better understanding we can build trust uh, because that is a challenge. You know, the Edelman Trust Barometer in Australia this year showed that only 52% of Australians trust government institutions. So comms sits right at the heart of being able to improve what is – an an essential ingredient for a thriving democracy and we do need to address it because it is a big challenge not just here in Australia but around the world.
1: In our review episode you'll find us talking about a couple of striking examples of success but government has to continue. It can't just knock the place down and rebuild. How do you manage reconfiguring comms while going day-to-day and? those horrible emails dropping, we need to do a campaign about this, and you look
0: at it and go, do we? How do we well, manage it's, that? Well, it's, it's hard. It, it, I think the first thing we need to recognise is that uh, government communication areas are, are put upon. Um, they're, they're very busy. There are a lot of demands. There are increasing demands from ministers and assistant ministers and parliamentary secretaries who are looking for more content who are looking for more support Uh, there is uh, senior executives who are looking for similar uh, support for them to be able to carry out their roles be they external or internal uh, which again uh, particularly for the leadership inside the public service internal communication is a big challenge now all of these things soak up resources and what my experience is, is that what happens is that when we get down into the program areas, that there's not too much left over because they are responding at that central area to meet the demands of their their customers, their, their number one clients who they have to look after. So I think where we're headed to is... You know, comms areas becoming really centres of expertise, being able to drive capability, uh, being able to build capability across the enterprise and to be able to work with uh, contracted um, labour forces into... Uh, program and um, policy and, and regulatory areas so as that they can increasingly do a lot of it for themselves because the central areas are just not going to have the bandwidth to be able to do it. So I think that's where the change is going to be. But I think those That notion of a centre of excellence, that notion of capability building, but also capability building at the edges of organisations. So where government intersects closely with citizens and stakeholders, that's where the capability is going to be, have to be developed because of the need for speed. People want information and answers and they want them now. And they're not sort of, okay, if, if you're oh, – well, sorry, our approvals processes mean that we've got to go back and up and – you, know, it's going to be too late. So and don't and send an email get, on a Friday. And that's going to get frust- – and, and people will get frustrated. Yeah. And then those frustrated people will then – contact direct to ministers' offices. Ministers' offices will communicate going, hey, what are you doing? And so, you know, that that spiral will happen. So I think uh, a focus on capability building, and that's certainly where uh, Content Group is going to be putting a lot of its efforts, is really about how do we build internal capability? Because this isn't an outsourced capability. Now, people might say, don't say that, Dave, that you're going to put yourself out of business. Um, You're changing your business. Changing our business—that's all it is—to meet the needs of what government is, because it is, comms is now going to be a central function, not not an end of the line function, a central function, and we're already seeing it. Everybody wants more communications in the digital world. They want more content, and they want it now. So we have to work. You know, our mission at Content Group is to help government strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens through effective communication that is our mission that is why we get out of bed every day that is why we come to work now if if our if, to to fulfill that mission if that means we can help By building capability, well, that's what we're going to do because ultimately we believe that that is what is going to be in the best interests of uh, people around the world. So we really, and we have a focus, not just here in Australia, but we will be looking to try to build that capability um, around the world. And again, looking at some of the work that the OECD is doing around its operating model and building capability and events and festivals and functions and those sorts of things, we want to be contributing to that into 23. So we're seeing increasing improvement in the ability of um, of government to be able to communicate effectively. Let's talk about people.
1: Are the right kind of people in government communications at the moment, and how might the characteristics of the people required in this new, brave new world have to change? There's no shortage of people coming out of tertiary institutions, and um, but are those tertiary institutions preparing some of their graduates for a career in government communications, which is, sorry to say this, beyond perhaps a nice, cushy job with a few launches and a couple of media releases a week? Because that world well, doesn't exist
0: anymore. No. no well, are um... they prepa- are people prepared for this. Ah, uh, well. You know, I was talking to someone about it just yesterday, actually, about life in, uh, uh, in, in the public service and this notion of, you know, it's sort of a, an easier, cushier life. Well, you know, they work incredibly hard. Um, so I don't think it's quite as, you know, an easy and cushier life. But when we get to this notion of, you know, what are we looking for, you know, like all organisations, the demand for communication professionals in the government and the public sector is immense. And they can't keep the numbers up to it because of this growth in demand, which is coming from, started at ministerial levels, assistant ministers, parliamentary secretaries, et cetera, demand, 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 program areas, demand, demand, demand. There's just simply not enough people at the moment, which is where I think there's going to be uh, an evolution in the way uh, other... People working in policy and program areas are going to have to acquire uh, the skills of communicators because increasingly into the future, they're going to have to do it for themselves because they're not going to build these monolithic communication teams at the centre of government. They're not going to keep growing. There is an absolute brick on the top of this growth. And so what that means for is we've got people... um, a lot of the skills that they have are sort of close relations, but they're going to just need uh, some additional skills that are going to make them uh, better visual communicators, uh, better writers, uh, better podcasters. And they're the types of skills that we're going to start to see grow. And there will be a real demand for those type, that type of education.
1: It's one of the positive aspects of that, that you can sell to a quality candidate for a job. There's going to be an extra bit of job fulfilment here. You can actually be creative and deliver the message and have a job within the public service. They're not mutually exclusive. No. I mean, it's obviously not crazy creative, but you can actually do something that matters. And you might ultimately find a job force where people are choosing at the beginning of their careers between going into a news corp or an ABC, or an Australian public service?
0: Yeah. Well, it's one of the reasons why we at Content Group focus exclusively on working at government and the public sector, because the work is fascinating, and the work is important. And so if you can... There's nothing like it, is there? Going to work, doing a good job, and thinking, you know what, I might have just helped somebody today. So, you know, there, there, there's real satisfaction, I think, in and public sector. And it's not pollyanna is it? It's, is that, no. It, it's actually helpful, It is, believe it or not. It is. It, you know, and again, look, I've, I have my friends and you have your friends who used, you know, in the, in the media who sort of look at it and go, oh, you know, you know, it's spin and all this. It's like, you know, forget it. Like, I care less for this view that um, government shouldn't be able to better explain uh, and better listen to uh uh, you know, stakeholders and, and audiences. And it, it's, it's, it's great fun. And so much of the work is so important, which is why I think there is this need, uh, to your point about evolution, uh, of the newsroom capability, which is going to grow into these organisations. I think there is going to be uh, changing um, roles and responsibilities. There is a very big obsession um, still with the media Uh, and set piece, you know, speech writing and those sorts of things. But what we're going to see, I think, is an evolution of okay. Well, maybe you're not just in the media team. You know, you're going to be media, and this is we're starting to see examples of this. You're going to have other responsibilities as well. You might have to knock up a blog. You might have to, you know, record a podcast. You might have to think about alternative channels. You might have to get something happening for social media. You know, there, I think there's going to be a, a a devolving of roles, and I think every organisation will be slightly different. Um, given uh, uh, responding to their particular risk profiles and and the risk attitudes and appetites of their leadership, uh, and so everyone's going to be different, uh, but there will be. Uh, you know, these driving forces of digital transformation, which are going to continue to to make the change happen, because you can't stand still in this day and age. You have to change, you have to adapt, you have to build skills, and you have to get better at making um, the best of this wonderful gift that we have, which is, you know, this ability to be able to go direct to citizens and stakeholders with useful, relevant, and consistent content, because that, in, in a world that's crazy busy, in a world where a person's most valuable asset is their time and their attention. Now, they're not just going to sit back and give it to you because you're the government. You have got to earn that. And so that's the big challenge, is how do we earn um, a right to a, a, a share of a person's most valuable asset, their time and their attention? So we've talked about outward facing
1: communications, dealing with the, with the citizen, engaging the citizen. How about the internal comms? It's often the Cinderella, isn't it? And often, frankly, they are worthy rather than engaging by the numbers rather than uh, in the moment. Um, is there a? You just talked about we need to think about govcomms as a profession. Is there a profession within the profession for internal comms? And 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 if you get that message working within an organisation there's almost a pincer movement from you building capability within the comms department so you get
0: light bulbs going off all around the place going ah ah (laughs) that's how we do it well look I think internal communications is is massively important and I do think it's um underdone and underinvested in in most uh organisations and I'm not just talking about government organisations I'm talking about you know, private sector organisations, uh, sporting organisations. You know, we don't do enough to continue to tell our story, consistent with our vision, our mission, our values, our priorities, the why of why of why we're here, and then explaining who is doing what inside that wider vision for an organisation. So that creates meaning. So, people can connect their work to this wider purpose and then they can better understand what's going on. Um, So, the smart um, leaders, and there are a number of them who are investing uh, lots of time in their internal communications. And I'd call out, um, and he's, you know, I'll declare an interest, he's a friend of mine, Uh, but Andrew Metcalf, who is the Secretary of the Department of Agriculture, Forestries and Fisheries, or FF, is that the yeah, right one? Right, right yeah, right? yeah, yeah, either or. Former DAF. now uh, anyway, DAF, uh, invests an enormous amount of time in communicating with stuff. But it's not just in a digital way. He He communicates in the lift. He communicates by walking the floor. He is forever out there talking, listening, understanding, building that sense of, That mission, that purpose, that superpower um, that government has in its work and really uh, giving uh, great confidence and uh, uh, just enriching and uplifting his people towards – he does a great job and I think he's he's an exemplar in that space.
1: Well, it's leadership, isn't it? And one of the key facets of leadership is the ability to communicate
0: in a way that is meaningful. Yeah. And yeah. but not you've got by to, the numbers. But you've got to make it a priority. And authentic. Yeah, yeah, but you can't just, oh, you know, I'm going to get to this. It's like yeah. you, you've really got to have it in you. And I think increasingly, again, as we look at the challenges of recruitment and retention. Now, uh, here in Australia, uh, there the, the current government uh, is looking to build um, the Australian public service. They want to increase the numbers of of public servants, reduce the number of consultants and contractors, which is great, okay? So to do that, if that's the policy objective, which it is, you have to make it an attractive place to work. Now, as an attractive place to work, you want to go to work and you don't want to just you know, be ignored. You don't want it. You know, you want to be in, engaged in this great adventure, this great mission, this great purpose that public sector has, and it's a huge responsibility. And it's not just the secretary; it's the deputy secretaries, it's the first assistant secretaries, it's the assistant secretaries, it's everyone through the organisation. Whereas there's that sense of we have to let's let's talk, let's let's open up, let's engage, let's solve problems, let's build high-performing cultures, because that's what people want. If people come and join an organisation, they're going to be much, uh, it's going to be much easier to retain. And to focus and feature on the good news, you know, because often in the public service, you know, you're getting belted around the years all the time about, you know, hopeless this, bad this, why did that happen? You know, but there is so much good that goes on inside the public service, not just here in Australia, but all around the world. And I think it's incumbent on internal communicators to make sure that those stories are unlocked and communicated inside as well as outside so people can see the impact of the work that they're having. So again, in terms of uh, investment I think there's going to have to be a much, much larger investment made in internal communication, greater capacity, greater capability, so as that they can build these high-performing cultures that Australia and other countries are going to need, because the expectations of citizens out there is that a government really is increasingly involved in so much. And this is one of the dividends of COVID, is that all of a sudden government is expected you know, to be involved in in, in regulation, in legislation, uh, in the development of programs, it's everything. So there is this high expectation in the community. And for the government to 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 reach that, they're going to have to be build these high performing cultures, which are going to attract people, but are also going to retain people so that they're just not coming in and bouncing out. Just one more thing on internal comms. It
1: strikes me just now, we talk a lot about taking risks and uh, managing risk with external comms. Yeah. Never seems to be a conversation in internal comms. Every question in a town hall is a very interesting question. I'm glad you asked that, et cetera, et cetera. Every newsletter is deadly dull with a picture of a, a cupcake morning. Um, how risky can internal comms get? Because if it's not risky as such, but engaging, fun, fun, with an attitude rather than just
0: by rote. Well, it has to be, doesn't it? Because, again, you know, people don't just... When they walk through the door to go to their office, they don't just order all of a sudden change. You know That they accept, you know, externally their expectations of, you know, a bank, a telecommunications company, a media company. I think when they come to work there is still that retained expectation that whoever is communicating with me is going to do so in a way that is useful that is relevant that is engaging uh, but to the to your point about risk the greatest risk at the moment to different government departments is people and people leaving that's the biggest challenge at the moment there are not there are simply not enough people qualified people at the moment to fulfill the jobs that the current government here in australia needs across various areas, whether it be in home affairs, in cyber security areas, whether it be in defence, where there is a huge growth path that they are hoping uh, to attract. Uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs, huge numbers of people that they need to attract and skill and retain. And so therefore, there is an Absolute business imperative to make sure that that internal communication is contributing to an environment that makes people feel welcome, makes them feel engaged, makes them want to bring their best person to work. And if you're not delivering that, there is a lot of other places you can go and work. So um, it's very competitive out there, uh, very competitive for people, because we're seeing skill shortages everywhere. You know, cyber, for example. I, I read somewhere the other day. Uh, I think it was Stanford University research report saying you know there are three quarters of, of a million uh, people less that they you know that need those skills to be able to equip um, the uh, you know the economy globally to be able to make us more resilient in a in a cyber sense. So it's hugely competitive for people out there in the private sector and the public sector, and internal comms can play a big role in in, in attraction uh, and and uh, retention. I don't want to create more silos, but if we go to
1: outward-facing comms now, do we need to actually think a little bit more strategically about the same day reacting to that horrible phone call yeah. from the editor of the Daily Bugle <laughs> yeah. at quarter to five? Yeah to the mob who are doing longer term. Again, it's it's the difference between news and current affairs or public affairs, as it's called in the United States, and documentary, if you like. Is that another thing we're going to have to think about? Oh, look, uh, you
0: know, that that is the great challenge. That is the, the, the great challenge. And the, it's the eternal lament of people who work in uh, communications inside government is that you know, they find themselves trapped in this cycle of the response of the reaction of dealing with the day to day. And there's not enough time to sort of be able to sit back and, and plan and be able to be more thoughtful uh, and more creative and more imaginative about telling and releasing those good stories. But I think what needs to happen again is this evolution of the function. So is it you you can't Just say, well, you know, we're just too busy. We can't get to that. You've got to find a way to evolve towards that. And that comes with, you know, greater engagement, I think, across the enterprise. It comes with, um, you know, uh, particularly ministerial officers understanding what it is that you collectively are trying to achieve. Uh, It comes to that point of resisting everything, isn't a crisis. You know, this is the issue of, you know, we don't have to do that, you know. We, you know, we can let's just leave that because we're, we're 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 on a path. We've mutually agreed what our our approach is. We've mutually agreed what our framework is. So let's just hold steady and yes, be responsive, be transparent, be authentic, but at the same time, don't lose sight of that uh, strategic approach that hopefully you've had time to co-design. Uh, with important stakeholders both uh, uh, inside the you know the ministerial uh, wing and with your uh, leadership and with your teams as well, so is it everyone knows where we're headed, everyone knows where we're going, and therefore you know we can make better choices about what we do or don't react to.
1: In 12 months' time, if we sit down in this same room and talk about how 2023 have been, how far along the road? Do you think we're going to be into government communications more resembling what you and I knew and know as a newsroom? There'll be progress. There will be progress. There has to be progress because there will, will be... Will people de- get left behind? Or will they be dragged along kicking and screaming?
0: Uh, I don't know. Probably. Some people will. Um, some people won't like it. Some people will, will leave. Some people find change... Really confronting, and unfortunately, um, we're in a in, in a time where you have to be comfortable with being adaptive. You have to be comfortable with learning new things. You have to be curious about what's coming. It's 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 it it's, it's it's a challenging. You know, if you don't like change, um, you're going to have to get used to it because uh, if you want to stick around. And if you don't, well, you know, might be time to go and find. And well, see, the thing is, you can't really go anywhere else because they're going to be, do, but they're going to be dealing with change as well. Like we're in the middle. We're not even in the middle. Like we're at right at the beginning of this continuous change of. Capability and um, expectation and priority and need. And so I think, you know, we do, everyone has to be a little kind to each other. I think that's really important is that we're not going to, you know, just be able to walk in one day and, uh, you know, switch from A to B. That's not going to happen. Never happens. Change comes in these little steps. But I think what you do have to do is to grip up a vision as to where it is that you want to get to and be able to make step you know, changes along the way towards whatever that vision that you've defined to, to be. And that, that vision has to be co-designed um, with your leadership, with your ministers, with your minister's offices, with your senior leadership, with your, your division heads, with your branch heads. Everyone's got to, you know, hands in the middle. This is where we're heading to. And let's, 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 let's um, uh, chart a course and let's hold ourselves accountable for those changes. Now, it, it could be in skills. It could be in practice. It could be in results. But you do need to hold yourselves accountable to set some measures about where where it is that you want to get to.
1: And those kind of things need to be included when the next project walks through your door. You have to go right. Well, what's your overall view? What? How? Where do you want to go? Not just with this, but with everything. Yeah, because very and- often everything is it's it's the it's the latest thing. It's not, It's unconnected, even within the same project. It's just an event. It's a webinar. It's a conference. Whatever.
0: Yeah, but and, and more deeply than that, to ensure that things get done, you know, those those commitments then need to be integrated into performance plans, so as people are being measured for their performance against what they said they were going to do in this particular area. It's not good enough just to leave it there. You do have to then integrate it into uh, what people are being uh, measured on uh, and and being held accountable for in terms of their uh, individual and collective performance plans, so as that it actually gets done. So someone knows I actually have to do this with a result, uh, with a result because so the, I, the, the, because I can't go into my annual review and not and because it's there. Yeah. So I'm going to have to. So we have to take that step as well, which is a, again, it's a it, 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 it's it's that's a further challenging, but it's all part of the evolution, and it's going to keep it's coming, and it's it, it's here. And it's going to keep coming. So the days, perhaps, if we want a
1: podcast, we want a video, maybe coming to an end, unless you've got a second sentence.
0: Well, to make um, remark. well um, uh, you know, uh, unless there is a why, yeah, and for, for, sure. for, for what purpose, yes, and connected to, to which audience, yeah. But well, but well, for, that's from a strategic point right. of view. But then from the accountability point of view, is it you, uh, whatever level it is, that you are being held responsible for either the design and delivery of a strategic plan, and it's it's in your performance um, uh, management plan. One last thing. Crystal ball out. Yeah.
1: We won't hold you to this. Why not? <laughs> well, we should, shouldn't we?
0: Why not? Okay. We're talking accountability, so it's I'm a crystal to ball. be able to it's, counter- a, it's
1: a crystal ball. So crystal mm. balls are allowed to be cloudy. Right. Crystal ball out, if there was one thing that you are convinced somewhat partially, totally, will have happened by about this time next year or mid-2024, whatever arbitrary thing we, 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 we mention. What would that be? Is there something that you, you just feel has to happen?
0: Skills. That's recruitment? No, skills... After recruitment? Yeah. Skills, improvement. I think there'll be a much bigger focus on how do we get better at manipulating the digital ecosystem to better explain and better listen. So I think there'll be, there'll be a focus on skills. And I think we'll be able to turn around and be able to say, yes, we can see that, uh, that we've, we've gripped up this opportunity. And we're already seeing it. As a, 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 you know, might have been the previous podcast we were talking about, there's the data profession. There's the digital profession. Well, you know, as part of that digital profession, I'd say there will be an evolution and we'll be very much looking at those, those digital skills. You know? And again, they can be anything from the soft skills of being able to manage engagement and consultation. It could be writing, it could be visual policy skills where you're better able to produce more engaging uh, PowerPoint presentations or placemats. It could be better strategic planning and I think we saw from the OECD report, we know where the where the gaps and the opportunities are, and I do think that uh, uh, again, through demand, uh, there will be this need for more, and therefore to to do more, you're going to have to equip more people to be able to do it to a, a particular standard, and therefore I think that's where the the opportunity is as we continue to see the evolution and the change of the nature of the work of the public service to support the elected government of the day. Content is a big deal and it's going to continue to be a big deal. Uh, and so I expect that that will be a, a key thing. And that's why your
1: company called Content Group.
0: <laughs> you were ahead of the curve. Well, we were, we were so far ahead of the curve. I'll tell you a funny story. Like in the old days, way back in 1997, I left the ABC, uh, got a voluntary redundancy. Um, one of the top three happiest days of my life. <laughs> well, I was going to leave anyway, but I got money to leave, so um, so I sat around for uh, in my paisley pajamas and grew a beard. And uh, my uh, uh, then girlfriend, now wife, you know, used to come home and I'd spend the day on the computer, like, oh my god, look at all this, because well, one day in the future, you you know, this whole idea that we would, you know, would all carry supercomputers in our pockets. And we would all have this ability to create um, you know, video, audio, stills, text, graphics. And I was like, oh, okay. And so my background was in marketing and media. And so it, this, this stuff was called content. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. And so hence we became the content group back in 1997. So I had a business card and I used to hand, you know, back in the day, and I used to hand it out. Uh, and you've got to remember this is back in 1997. Anyway, I'd hand the card to people and they'd go, oh, that's nice. You're content. You're the the content group. sort of like well, sort of. But then you'd have to explain. Yeah, but one day in the future, blah 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 blah. And anyway, so yeah. So it's interesting to see the journey of, you know, content as a, uh, as a line in a research project way back in 1997, all the way through to now, where it's you know, you know, every galah in the pet shops talking about content. But you know, again, this is the capability. It's baked. You have it. If you are in working in government, you now have the ability to go direct to citizens and stakeholders. You have the ability to create useful, relevant, and consistent content. It's what you do with that that is, you know, the, both the challenge and the opportunity. And that's where the skills are going to come in because more and more people are going to have to think um, – Strategically, which again the OECD report told us that globally there is an absence of strategic, which is a contextual challenge because people are so busy and there's always so much on. We don't get enough time to think. But then once we move through that strategic realm into the implementation, it's then going to be able to how do we how can we do this ourselves because we just can't keep outsourcing it. We just can't keep outsourcing it. We've got to build the capability into organisations as it's a just as we have a finance department, and we have an IT department, where we are going to have a media department, which is part of our communication function, which is helping us to better um, explain and better listen to uh, citizens and stakeholders. Better
1: explain, better listen. Thanks for explaining, (laughs) and I think I've been
0: listening. David Pembroke, thank you so much. Andrew, thank you. Thank you, and thank you very much for uh, all your support this year uh, with all of the content that we've been creating here at Content. The Gradcast, uh, hopefully that returns again next year. Work with Purpose, with IPA, uh, obviously the Govcoms and everything else, so we'll continue down this path of continuing to create content.
1: And thank you for bringing your crystal ball, cloudy or otherwise, into the studio. And for you listening, thanks so much for your company. Come back for more GovComs during the year. Give us a rating and share the content with your friends, associates, and people you think should perhaps be shown the righteous path of government communications. I'm Andrew Bell. Until our next, cheerio from the GovComs podcast.
0: You've been listening to the GovCom's podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.